Welcome in to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast again. Thomas Miller, thanks for joining us. We are going to roll out another interview with Fred Dodson. This is the one that I think in the eight years that I've been affiliated with Fred, I've been looking forward to the most. We're talking about a book called The Levels of Heaven and Hell. Now, many of you, like me, and you know my story from listening to this podcast, that I grew up in a belief system that mandated if you did not receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord during this lifetime, that you were going to go to a hell of eternal damnation. Eternal, as in forever. Fred is going to specifically address that in this podcast. But the book, which is now available, of course, on audiobook, is called The Levels of Heaven and Hell. And in this, Fred explores the concept of hell as both a physical and spiritual place, and the concept of heaven as the same, but from a composite perspective of all of the belief systems around the world. And I'm not just talking about the major five. I'm talking about how tribes in South America view heaven and hell, because, I mean, aren't they people too, and don't they count? So it's like this amazing 10,000-foot perspective that then zooms right on down into exactly what Fred believes heaven and hell might be. So if you grew up under a specific belief system, and I know there are many represented in this podcast audience, that mandated some kind of fundamental belief about what happens after we die, I hope that this will give you much greater insight from this book and the audio book and this interview. So, Fred, welcome back. Thank you, Thomas. So you've written a book about heaven and hell, the levels of heaven and hell. And in the book, you said that this is the fourth in the series of the levels of energy books. There's book one, which, of course, established that basically all of our emotions are on a scale, a numerical scale. And that we can measure that, like if I'm mad, that's a lower level of energy. Angry, if I'm jealous. If I'm joyful and peaceful and loving, that's a higher level, 500s. How does this correlate to heaven and hell? Well, if uh, everything is in levels and frequencies and vibrations, it follows that there is even lower and even higher. And traditionally, we've called that heaven and hell. The purpose of the book was to show that this concept of heaven and hell, or lower and lower and lower, higher, 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 is present in all cultures and all traditions around the world. It's not just uh, limited to one place or one religion. Why did you write a book on these two places in our afterlife? Because it's really interesting. <laughs> to me, it's interesting. I'm fascinated by different realms, other realms, other worlds. I'm fascinated by reconciling all the different traditions there are and teachings there are. I meant to reconcile many different viewpoints uh, about the world, about reality. And I've also experienced some of these things. And I've, I meant to write the book so that I could have an understanding of what and where I was when I experienced these things. 
You know, you, you make certain experiences out of body or in lucid dreams or even in reality. And you want to contextualize that. The mind wants to put it into some kind of category because when you can put it into some kind of category, you feel relief. You're like, aha, uh-huh. so this belongs to that kind of realm. And this realm has been talked about in Persia and in ancient Rome and in ancient Egypt and the ancient Polynesians talked about this realm too. So that's, that's good. So it is familiar. I'm not the only one. I'm not going crazy. That's the realm they're talking about. So one thing I discovered while researching it was that they all talk about these levels of hell and levels of heaven, not just heaven and hell as a duality. And that's why the book is called Levels of Heaven and Hell, which is like an expansion of the levels of energy. So I got the three levels of energy books, and they go from one to thousand. Now imagine these books going from minus uh, 10,000 to plus 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Because when you take the single heaven and single hell concept, what has happened is that has imprisoned a lot of people over the centuries, hasn't it? From the standpoint of, yeah, yeah, right? It, from the standpoint of, if you don't do what we say, we've, we were talking about authoritarianism in our last podcast. If you don't do what we say, you're going to go to hell forever. Yep, yep. That's one of the concepts I address in the book, this idea of hell forever, which is an an insane concept. We could say an authoritarian concept, but it's more than authoritarian. It's sadistic. It's insane. It's it's psychopath. You know, you're going to go to hell forever because you did something wrong. (laughs) You know, um, even if you innocently did it wrong, some say you're going to go to hell forever. We're going to torture you forever. How insane is that? And that's, that's been used as a tool of, social control over the centuries and it's insane and it's not what loving conscious free people like that's for sure and yet it has become such a powerful tool and a lot of people have died at the sword because of that belief yes there's a section in the book called uh, the corruption of religion so even though the entire book is religious and quotes from religion um, it's it's also about the corruption of religion, how religion has been uh, abused and misused for, again, authoritarian, tyrannical purposes for control, for controlling people, manipulating people, making them feel scared. Because if I can make people feel scared, they'll do what I say, or, or so the, the idea goes, you know, that's, that's the history of the world, um, people making others scared in order to control them. Why would there be levels of heaven and hell? Why not just one? Because uh, the universe is a, a much bigger place than, than we think. It's, it's more fun and more fascinating. You know, just like on, there's different levels of energy. Um, sadness is not the same thing as fear. Anger is a bit stronger than fear. Um, there's realms that correspond with these. So a fear realm, if you, if you live your life in fear, it feels different than if you live your life in anger. There are two different types of hell. There's nuance. Uh, there's not just good and bad. There's nuance, okay? You can live an anger life or a fear life. And likewise, because you don't die in the afterlife, you can live an anger afterlife or a fear afterlife. And those are what we call 
hell, a hell of your own making, so to speak. Uh, likewise, there's different types of heaven that you already experience on earth. You can feel the love you have toward a child. That's one type of heaven. And having um, sex with your wife is another type of heaven. Or um, having a good meal is yet another type of heaven. Or reading a good book is another type of heaven. So there's different types of happiness, and these go on in the afterlife. Now, what I see and feel and know is that there's no limit upwards. I don't know if there's a limit downwards. It goes. I think it goes pretty far down, but there's no limit upwards. Uh, and that's great. That's amazing, okay? That means that the happiness that I feel today, I ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so an obvious question then, because we are in this context. Many of us grew up with this. You did too, in some degree. What do we have to do in order to go up, not down, when we die? Well, that's that's what I wrote Levels of Energy for, you know, which is uh, loving, conscious conduct, love, uh, trust, kindness, high energy. Because if you die in high energy, you stay in high energy. And because you lose the body and you become lighter, you go up a few notches so it's it's not that hard, actually. The energy you die in uh, determines if you go up. And if you've uh, done things that are no good, you might keep yourself at a lower level in shame or guilt. You know, so if you've done things that are no good, you need to make amends. Uh, you need to confess your sins, is what the Christians say. But you need to make some kind of amends, make up for it to balance out the karma, which is what Hindus say. I mean, every culture has this, okay? Mm -hmm. You need to, you can't just do stuff and there's no consequences. And that's the beauty of the universe. There's consequences for what you do. So in order to release the guilt and the shame, you need to do something that will, where you feel it'll make up for it, you know? Or uh, in Christianity, there's the concept of forgiveness, of being forgiven for your sins. That's another path, another way to do it. In Islam, there's the idea of um, giving to the poor, um, you know, helping the poor in need. If you've sinned, you help the poor. It's another concept, but it all it's all, it's all the same thing, basically. So you want to die in a state of lightness, cleaned up, all is good. You know, there's no grudges you have toward your father. There's no... Uh, uh, debt, you're not in, in debt with anyone. You just want to die in a fairly okay state. Seven, eight, nine levels of hell. How many do you think there are in all? I think in the book it says seven, right? Seven. So is the surface of Earth, is this reality around us possibly level one? Oh, right. Right. That's uh, something I speculate in the book. It's wild. This could be level one of hell. And the reason I say that is because the, the old texts talk about a realm of oblivion and forgetfulness where people easily forget, easily become unaware. And they're just walking around. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they're from. And I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that exactly what Earth is like? 
<laughs> bunch of people walking around oblivious, not knowing where they're from, where they're going, who they are. So yeah, we, we, we might be hell level one and striving to get back to the middle level, I guess, or heaven level one. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So I don't if know. If we think about Earth then as Earth school, right? It would be a friendlier place than saying hell level one, maybe, but Earth school. Yeah. It's the place where we come here to work on these things. So yes. if we if we miss the mark a little bit and we end up in one of those a little further down levels of hell, let's address that straight up. The book indicated more of a place of refinement, a place of working through it there. If we didn't get it here, we work through it there, and then we ascend. So it's always about working on the process of ascending. Yeah, even even the lowest levels of hell are about working through stuff in order to ascend. So everything always goes to ascension. Uh, no such thing as eternal torture. It's it's more of a, a clinic, you know, Um I know the word hell sounds harsh and people are like, uh, some people said to me, I'm not going to read that. What's what happened to you, Fred? What's wrong with you, Fred? Well, um, you know, a lot of new agers think like that. They don't want to confront anything bad. All they want is crystals and dolphins. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's not meant if you actually read the book, uh, you're no longer afraid of hell because you realize you can get out of it. Um, you can get out of bad situations, no matter how bad it gets. It's just a process, and there's always a way up. And the way up is always through the same things, love, forgiveness, healing, compassion, uh, responsibility, always the same thing, same message over and over. Funny how I keep writing the same book with the same message in, in 30 different variations, you know. But if you read the book, you'll know it's exactly the same as any other book I've written. I was very encouraged. Like, I made all these lists of things that I wanted to work on. It's like, well, if COVID got me tomorrow, here's what I've done before I'm out, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was very motivating for that. Uh, not, not out of fear, because the pictures of hell, even though some are quite dark, I didn't find them as scary as your disclaimers at the beginning of the book because it's just a reality that, look, if you've been around the teachings of the eternal damnation of the lake of fire and Satan and his demons, yeah, that's about, you know, that's about the extent of it. So if you've already been exposed to that, there's not a whole lot of shock value left, and, and there it is. And oh, we're not. And we've also, yeah, we've also seen all of this in horror films, right? Sure. So we're desensitized to it, really. And to be to be honest, horror films are very, very successful, and people are secretly fascinated by it. You know, they're they're into it. They're like, "Wow, really? No, wow." So it's a it's a big industry. You have to ask yourself, why are people so fascinated by that? Well, maybe there's something to it. You know, maybe there are really dark realms and 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 low states and isn't it beautiful to to know that you can work yourself out of anything anything at all that's that, that's that's what um self-empowerment or what, what feeling self-empowered really is about what um having the feeling that you're equipped for anything Anything at all could happen. You're equipped to handle it and get out of it. Isn't that what it's about? Yeah, absolutely. 
and from our heart. It seems like it's what's in our heart and the actions that flow from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take a global perspective on this. So what are there, seven and a half billion people on the planet right now or so? Let's say that everybody instantly lights out. Would most of them wake up in heaven or most of them wake up in hell, do you think? Most of them would wake up uh, in one of these uh, pre-hell realms, not in hell, but pre-hell in these, uh, you know, oblivion realms at level one hell, similar to, to what we are already are, maybe a bit worse. I'd say... Uh, <laughs> 60% and 40% would probably wake up in, in heaven level one. Wow. We got a lot of work to do, don't we? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, we do. But even us, us heaven level oneers have a lot of work to do because what's level one, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> I want to be at least that's yeah at at least that's one way of seeing it. I mean, what does it do to you to see life as a training, as a school? It really motivates you, as as Thomas just said. So I'm talking to the readers now. That's the benefit of seeing it that way. Okay, you read the book and you see life as a school, as a training. And guess what? When you see it as a training, you're going to get so skilled. Exactly. Exactly. I would say that's one of the things that shifted for me over the year of the pandemic is looking at life as this preparation for what's next and just so much less attachment to down here and a lot more focus on what's beyond. Yeah. So you see the benefit of uh, there's some benefit to negative experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I w- just recently I've been reframing that. I did a podcast on it not too long ago about, look, it, it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. That's what we came here for. <laughs> if you're trying to be all perfect and lily white and pure and everything, you're in the wrong place. We came here to muck it up and to roll our sleeves up and get dirty and try to figure it out and work our way through it. And and a lot of people get stuck in the muck, but there are ways out. And I think that's, you know, you actually build that into your story and relish the uh, times that were not, were not perfect and that didn't go so well. Absolutely. So where is God and where is Satan? Where? (laughs) Well, I mean, if you Um, go to level one and there are multiple levels of heaven, I'm kind of assuming that God would be a little bit higher (laughs) than level one. (laughs) So when do you go to heaven and meet Jesus or go to heaven and meet God? Or if you go the other way, at what point are you then in torment by the demons? And I know that's kind of a two-part question, but you can take both sides. Well, I, I I couldn't say for sure. I read a lot of stuff, a lot more than I wrote. And one of the things I read is so uh, in Islam, they're like, oh, you can meet Jesus in heaven number three, and you can meet Moses in heaven number four. And I'm like, <laughs> how would they know? You know, I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. Um, 
I have no idea. I think um, the presence of God is everywhere, in in all levels, everywhere, uh, total, absolute. On the one hand, on the other hand, I think if you go up to heaven level seven, at least the different scriptures say that you you come face to face with something indescribable, maybe a personified version of God. So there's different versions. There's an absolute one. There's a personified one. It's beyond. It's beyond my mind to understand, Thomas. And probably as it should be. Probably, yeah. Hey, let's treat people to a little sample. Uh, what I had in mind, if you're okay with this, is one of the chapters you talk about the fact that in this reality, in this earth and space and sky and below us reality, that we have been influenced by beings and entities and various things <laughs> that have been controlling us for some time. So why don't we play a little bit of the first part of that chapter, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Okay. All North American natives of various tribes tell tales of the little people as part of their history. They lived in the woods, on sandy hills, in caves, near mountains, and below lakes. It was customary for them to play pranks and create various distractions for people so they can cause mischief. They sang, and then they hide, to giggle, but not show themselves, and to just generally sneak around. Often they asked humans who see them not to tell. The prior mountains of Montana and Wyoming are among the specific locations said to have housed large populations of dwarves. The Crow tribe taught that the little people are their sacred ancestors. Before entering any area, one was to leave an offering for them. Many modern American locals consider the legends to be true because the skeletons and other physical remains of dwarfs have been found across North America, often inside caves. There are tens of thousands of newspaper headlines of such discoveries. The remains of giants and dwarves are usually sent to the Smithsonian Institute, a branch of the U.S. government. After that, they disappear. The Smithsonian has a lot to answer for. The Aztecs called them Shanike, small beings who ran around forests and tried to keep hidden from humans. Later, anthropologists, misunderstanding the texts, turned them into elemental spirit beings and forces of nature. But the Aztecs were clear that these are physical people. They called them children with the face of old men or women, and that they abduct people into the underworld. The Native American Cree called them Manigishi, and the Ojibwa tribe called them Memeguesi. They are like humans, but small in stature and often their fingers are fused together. In the surface world, that is considered a genetic disorder called syndactyly. They have thin arms and legs, big heads, and often flat or entirely missing noses. Some of their names translate as hairy-faced. The natives were clear about where they live, between the rocks and under the hills. 
In the Rocky Mountains, there is a folk tale of a race of dwarves called the Marigar, the People Eaters, told by the Shushone tribe. As cannibals, they liked capturing humans using poisonous arrows shot from tiny bows and eating their prey. Even though they were small, humans feared them because they were quick and aggressive. It is believed that the 1932 discovery of the San Pedro Mountains mummy near Casper, Wyoming, of a 14-inch or 35-centimeter tall human, is proof of the reality of the Nimarigar. It was found in a cave. The Catawba tribe of South Carolina calls them Yahashuri, and says that the tricksters are two feet tall but otherwise look like normal humans. They are all believed to dwell in tree stumps and eat anything, including frogs and bugs. Occasionally, they are violent. The prevailing false paradigm keeps telling us that subterranean dwarves do not exist and never existed. Their skeletons are quickly removed and hidden. Folk tales are framed as stories about nature spirits. It is obvious that there is a concerted, organized, and well-funded effort to mask the truth. But why? Why do some people go to such enormous length to pretend that nothing strange is happening? I guess it's because knowing about them would disrupt the entire cosmic decree that separated inner Earth people from those at the surface. So. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So, can you give us a little bit of a extruded tease now into what these? So, we're talking about subterranean beings. I mean, look, I'm getting ready to move to the basically the base of the Smoky Mountains. So, what should I be looking for up there? <laughs> uh, you'd be interested to hear that uh, there have been a lot of vanishings in the Smoky Mountains. <laughs> You have all the files, my friend. So if I'm gone, I'm gone. <laughs> but I, yeah, th th there's so much I, I could never include in the book. I have archives full of stuff, so much. But there's a lot of, still to this day, there's a lot of vanishings in mountains. People disappeared without a trace and often at similar spots or the same spots. So I've always wondered what that's all about. People taking a hike in the mountains, never to return. And that happens a lot more often than, uh, than people think. It's something anybody can look into if they don't believe it. People disappearing without a trace at certain spots, often in the mountains. So um, it, it might seem or sound strange to listeners and far out, but just a couple hundred years ago, it was not. It was common knowledge. So... It sounds strange to a 21st century person, but if I had said the same thing, say, 300 years ago, nobody would find it strange. And that shows you how much times have changed, you know. And people look at me today, what, 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 what is he smoking? You know, subterranean dwarves? Are you, are you taking LSD, Fred? But no, this, is, this, this used to be common knowledge. All around the world, this used to be common knowledge. Why is it no longer common knowledge? I don't know. Maybe they've died out. Maybe they've closed the, closed the caves. I have no idea. 
If you go north of Atlanta, Georgia, there is the Sasquatch Museum in Cherry Ridge, Georgia. (laughs) I'm not kidding. There is a Sasquatch Museum, Bigfoot. They know that something else has been crawling around in those woods. Uh, Yeah, indeed. (laughs) So... This is, uh, if, if you look into it, it's nothing unusual. It's just unusual because you haven't looked into it, because you haven't learned about it in school, because you've been propagandized to no longer think about things mentioned by old cultures, old religions, old traditions, all around the world. You know, they all refer to the small people, the dwarves, the little people, and the only places nowadays you still get these stories is with indigenous people, native people. Well, maybe I'll find one up there. <laughs> if I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll try to grab a picture. <laughs> well, and what what kind of influence are they having on our existence? And we're talking subterranean, but also, as Fred points out in the book, they are above as well. So we're talking about extraterrestrial kind of things being an influence as well. So how are they influencing us today? I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much um, because I can't be sure. Mm -hmm. So I really don't know. But what I can say for sure, and this is important, is that there's a whole realm of information and stuff going on that nobody knows about. And I think that's important. It's important to start questioning things. I think it's important for everybody to start questioning their world and what they are shown, what they are taught versus what else there is. Uh, I've seen so much more. I've talked to people who've seen so much more and we want answers. (laughs) I want answers. I don't know if we want answers, but I, I want answers. That's why I've been looking into all of this stuff. I want to know exactly what you just asked. What is the extent of their influence on earth? What are they doing? What is happening? I have the same question still, even after all the research. And isn't that a great place to just leave it to say, there will be more books? (laughs) Because the questions and the insights continue to grow. I find it interesting that Fred's work changed a couple of years before COVID to where he was exploring more topics like Atlantis and the Pleiades, and now heaven and hell from a levels of energy perspective. I firmly believe, and I'm not right, but I believe in my heart that the earth is moving into a different level of consciousness. Isn't it interesting that this person who has been my own mentor, teacher, author, has moved from the things of what is going to be very soon, the old reality, and has been starting to look at things in the new reality, I would highly encourage you, if you want to peek ahead, listen to some of Fred's more recent works. It will take you in a level of consciousness away from what has been. So don't think this is manifesting stuff. This is where we're going, and it will give you a look at that direction. We will be back with more because there is a book in the oven. (laughs) So we'll talk about that one when it comes out. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed this. It is a topic that will give you freedom if you have been under the constraints of that kind of belief system. 
So until we meet again, enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.